This is the Wellsprings Word. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm back with you again here. Uh, Walt talking to you from Casper, Wyoming, where it's actually looking a little bit like springtime to us here. I mean, Wyoming, man, every time anything after 50 degrees positive is practically um, hitting the beach weather for us. So <laughs> so we're enjoying the sunshine. And um, was getting ready to record today and keep talking about revival and just some of my personal experiences with revival. And I feel kind of led instead to um, just take a quick little stab at something that just keeps coming to me. It seems to be a a controversy and a topic that I'll be in conversation, it comes my way. Somebody will send me a text or an email, it comes my way. Um, I was just talking to a friend, pastor friend today, and uh, it's impacted his staff just recently in a big way. And so just all the way around, it just keeps coming. And I I, I would call it gospel debates. Um, what's the true gospel? What's a false gospel? Um, I could almost call it and very tongue-in-cheek, so nobody get weird, but I could almost call it the Reformers versus everybody else, you know, because it just seems like <laughs> everybody's... Um, I, I would say it this way. I'd say the spirit of conflict that is in our culture, say, regarding issues like our politics and everything else, has definitely, unfortunately, too, has made its way into the church. And so I can remember a time... When I first got going in the ministry, uh, one of the first people who kind of came alongside to help me get started with ministry was actually United Pentecostal, um, and I was not United Pentecostal. And United Pentecostal folks, if you don't know, I mean, they're oneness folks, so uh, they have some unique doctrine that they really are um, very, very committed to, and um, they have a salvation understanding that's very different. Um, I don't agree with a lot of it. But my point is that me and this brother still stayed friends. Nobody got mad and stormed off. Nobody called somebody else a heretic and stomped off or anything else. We would have lively discussions, Bibles out, talking about these issues from the different directions and discussing. And it seems like that ability to sit down with somebody you have a difference with and have a conversation remembering to treat one another like Christ and to treat one another like you want to be treated, you know, good old-fashioned golden rule stuff, it feels like that ability is just gone now, and people just want to fight. They just want to argue. They want to rip and tear and storm off and break fellowship and just really get upset. And the thing that's been coming, like I say, the, the, the big, big question argument that's been coming up in conversation with me and with friends of mine all the time is this question about salvation and the true nature of the gospel and what the true vehicle of salvation is, whether it's permanent, whether it can be lost, uh, you know, classic big questions. And the first thing, I've got a couple little points I want to make, and I won't be a long time, but to any of you who are engaging in any of this and any of you who are concerned about this and any of you that have friends that are in different sides of it or whatever, let me just tell you flat out that, first of all, none of this is new, okay? None of this is new. These are age-old discussions that the church has wrestled with, 
um, since the day of Pentecost, practically. Um, James and Paul have been portrayed as being even on opposite sides of it, and they were among the first, and they were scripture writers themselves. Um, now, my personal view in and study is I don't really think James and Paul said different things at all. In fact, I think um, it would be like looking at two sides of a coin. If somebody tells you heads is on one side and somebody tells you tails is on the other side, they're both telling you the truth, um, and nobody's lying. They're just giving you two sides of the coin. And I have always felt like when Paul is, um, is exalting faith in salvation, and then James appears to say, well, yeah, but there's works too, and people have tried to even make those guys uh, opposite sides of this issue, and I don't think they are at all. I think they're just explaining two different pieces of it. So the big questions right now, and, and earlier I jokingly said the Reformers, only because a lot of the people that I see, at least online, that are really arguing, man, they are really contending and really worried about compromise and problems, they identify themselves as Reformers. Now, to be clear, I have some great friends that would identify as Reformed camp that I don't have fights with, so I am not at all saying um, that all people who are from Reformed Church everywhere are having fights. But it seems like lately this question, these these old big questions, are back in the, the flow of thought, and they are becoming what people are <clears throat> wanting to argue about. And so, you know, even the big old questions, like once you're saved, say you're born again, Jesus is in your heart, and you're a believer, and you've been born again, you know, the, one of the age-old questions was always, can you lose that? Can you sin that away? Can you mess up to the point where the Holy Spirit departs and you're lost again or not? And everybody instantly draws back into their camps, absolutely not. And the other side is over here saying, yeah, absolutely can. And, and then everybody's debating and, um, you know, the whole Calvinism versus Arminianism, you know, did God choose you or did you choose God? And then if God chose you, then he couldn't undo it. So your salvation's forever secure. If it's because you chose God, well, then, yeah, you could turn back around and you could lose it. And everybody draws back into their camps. I'm a Calvinist. I'm an Arminianist. Everybody starts having all of these debates. And the thing that, again, I just want to reassure you, if you're trying to sort this stuff out right now, is that uh, this is not new. Um, these conversations have been going on for a really, really long time. The second thing I'd say about this, and I say this very in much spirit of kindness, I really do, to all of you who are wanting to contend about this stuff, is that this is really getting pretty tedious for everybody else. Um, there's about 99% of the body of Christ that is got faith in Jesus Christ for their Savior. They're trying to be part of their church. They're trying to do the best they can to keep their family fed when eggs are eight bucks a dozen. Everybody trying to make sense of all the weird stuff in the news. Everybody's trying to make sense of all the strange goings on with our government and what's going on with our elections and which party should we be listening to and what role should the Supreme Court be playing in cultural issues. And there's all manner of debates going on. And 99% of the body of Christ is simply trusting Christ and doing their very best. And I want to say to the 1% of you that are just raging online with your opinions 
and just raging in conversation on Facebook and social media platforms and just debating to the nth degree all of these issues in the name of gospel purity or or staying away doctrinal purity purity the idea of we've got to sniff out and find the compromise everywhere i want to just say to you that you're going to have probably less and less friends And you're going to call it persecution. You're going to call it people not being able to handle the truth. You're going to justify it however you want. But in reality, nobody's mad at you. It's just getting very tedious. Okay, it's getting very, very tedious. The fact that everybody really riled up about it just wants to fight. I was in a conversation with a guy the other day, and there was just no right answer. You just could not. He was so spoiling for a fight about this that no matter what you said, well, hey, well, yeah, but don't you think, boom, there was, you know, nope, that's compromise. That's what I'm saying. That's a false gospel. You know, I mean, the guy was so keyed up about this, like somewhere on his, in his heart, he truly believed he was the reincarnation of Martin Luther himself. His whole job was to like nail some kind of statement to the church house door and and make it right. I mean, it was amazing how much conflict this guy was willing to have. And the funny thing was, if he would have slowed down for five minutes and listened to what I was trying to say, I actually wasn't necessarily disagreeing with what he was saying. But it's becoming really tedious because now we're at the part where no matter what you say, unless you say it exactly the way they say it, and I mean emphasis on the same syllable, emphasis on the same scriptures from the same version of the Bible, quoting the same author, boom, they blow up and they declare you compromised or even worse, that you're spreading a false gospel, or in some cases, like I recently heard about, just up and put their hands on their hips and call you a heretic and storm out and break fellowship and everything else because they're so concerned about this doctrinal purity when it comes to the gospel and the nature of salvation. And the third thing I would say that while they're arguing um, is that most of them are absolutely, completely missing the point. And if you have found yourself listening to this and you are a fired-up gospel contending, whether you would call yourself a reformer or whatever, whether you would call yourself a fundamentalist or a traditionalist, whatever term you want to use to describe yourself— I want to tell you that there's a really good chance, and I say this only because I've observed it in numerous conversations just recently, there's really a good chance that you're completely missing the point as you try to have your argument. So the argument goes like this, basically. The gospel, salvation, and here's how they, how they pound it, is faith plus nothing. So that's the, that's the whole thing. The only thing you need to access salvation in Jesus Christ is faith. All you have to do is believe. And in believing what Jesus did for you on the cross is the true sacrifice that is the salvation of the world. If you know and you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and you're willing to confess with your mouth and say the sinner's prayer and declare your belief in that fact, then boom, that's it. And the whole point seems to be, and I don't really totally understand the fight, but, you know, just airing it out here, the point seems to be that anything after that is, quote-unquote, adding to the gospel, right? So 
anything after that, any conversation about then go be obedient or then show your repentance with fruit of holiness in your life or then start to do good works that you didn't do before or then... Uh, One guy I watched have a whole argument online the other day because his big concern was he was saying it's faith plus nothing. And the other question was, okay, but is faith in the lordship of Jesus Christ revealed in surrendering to Christ? And it was actually only posed to him as a question, not even as an argument. And it turned into like a whole thing. If you add surrender to it, you're adding to the gospel. If you add submission to the lordship of Christ, you're adding to the gospel. It's like this fervor. It's faith plus nothing, faith plus nothing, and they just pound it. And if you bring up anything else, like, well, yeah, okay, fine. Faith in Jesus Christ is cool, but why is that dude who says that he believes in Jesus Christ still living like the devil himself? You're not even supposed to ask that question, because if that guy says he believes, then that's it. He's saved, problem solved, faith plus nothing. And so then to make their point, of course, there are numerous scriptures that talk about the fact that salvation is by faith and faith alone. And I absolutely know they're in the Bible, completely agree with them. And to be honest, every pastor and every good friend of mine that's in ministry, every evangelist, every teacher I know, nobody's actually arguing that point. Let me say to you, Reformed brothers, and again, using that term loosely, maybe you would call yourself a fundamentalist, or maybe you would call yourself, you know, whatever, a traditionalist. I just, I don't know how to break the news to you, especially if you're spoiling for a fight, but the point is not whether or not faith is the vehicle for salvation. Everybody who reads the Bible in the New Testament and lets it be the Bible knows that we are justified by faith. You can't get around it. It is literally almost on every page of the New Testament that we walk by faith that it is with faith that we believe that he is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please him, that same verse. We, we all know that the Romans wrote Romans 3, Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 8, Romans 9. We all know Romans 10. Every point Paul keeps hammering away that this is by faith. We are justified by faith. We walk by faith. You know, we, and, and this is what I have to say to you guys that are trying to argue about gospel purity. Nobody is actually saying that faith is not the, the, the vehicle. I like that word. Somebody else could, the key, that faith is not the substance of salvation in Christ. That's absolutely the salvation of Christ for any person is based in faith and faith alone. And that's what's amazing to me is because those that ask questions, and I'm going to put myself in that camp, those of us that ask questions, we are not trying to add something to faith. And when you start fighting with us about it, you're missing the entire point. Well, nobody's asking whether something in addition to faith. No, the question, my friends, and I want you to hear me good because it matters, is what does real faith look like? What constitutes real faith? Now, here's the crux of the issue. What is faith? 
If salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ, and I believe it is, and so does every other Christian minister in every other pulpit probably, no matter what denominational name is on the door, no matter what association that they have made for their ministry, we know the Bible says that faith in Jesus Christ is the doorway to salvation. It's by faith. Yes, absolutely. The question that's actually being asked more often is not, what do we add to faith? The question is, what does real faith look like? A person says, I believe. Okay, that's great. Do they or do they not? Is there a true faith and a false faith? Is there a living faith and a dead faith? If there is there a genuine faith and a counterfeit faith? That's the actual question. Is it, is it enough that a person just says, well, yeah, okay, I believe? Well, that's great, but what if they don't actually believe? What if they just mentally agree? Is that saving faith or not? Now, I want to point out to you guys before anybody's even getting frothy right now, because some of you are so contentious that even at this point of listening to this, you're like, it doesn't matter. It's faith and faith alone. I get that, but it actually does matter. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll just give you an example of where, for example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 and 6, and I'm going to give that reference again because you're listening to this wherever you are, and I want to encourage you, when you get a chance, look this up on your phone or in your old paper Bible or whatever. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So, for everyone who's like, this is not even to be debated. It's faith and faith and faith and faith alone. Absolutely. But look what Paul just told a church full of people, a church of people, Corinthians was not a letter to the Roman world. It was a letter to a church. And he said, examine yourselves as to whether or not you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you indeed are disqualified. I want to read that to you from a couple of other versions because it's interesting. The Amplified Bible for 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, Test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves. Do you not recognize this about yourselves by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit, is what the Amplified said. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation, which is popular too. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, New Living Translation. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. So so just in an... Just in one verse, because this is going to be short, I'm nearly done now. 
we have the Apostle Paul acknowledging that there's true and counterfeit faith. There's genuine and counterfeit faith. We know that we see this in the, in the book of James. It's what James points to in his book, in his letter, rather, when he makes those famous statements, and he says, you know, faith without works is dead. So the point is that there's a dead faith, and there's a living faith, and it matters, brothers. Like, God could be fooled by counterfeit faith. He can't. That's the entire point. So saving faith would have to be genuine faith. And we have to understand that the Scripture is pointing to the fact that there's living, genuine faith, and there's counterfeit, dead faith. Faith that people profess that is dead, and it is not genuine. It was James chapter 2, verse 26, for he, where he said, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So all I'm going to say on this right now is that, so first of all, don't be mad at people that are trying to sort it out, because the Bible tells us to sort it out, to, do, to examine ourselves. And again, not to run around patrolling other people. I'm supposed to look at me, and I'm supposed to figure out, is Jesus Christ actually in me, or do I find myself to be a counterfeit? And the fact that the statement exists is the fact that the possibility also exists. And I think to ignore that is to be in peril of people not understanding something that matters. And that is that in an age where we make our churches so easy to go to, to belong to, and to enjoy, we absolutely must ask the question, and we must teach people to ask themselves the hard questions, is Christ in me, or am I just agreeing and going along, and I'm part of the crowd? What does genuine faith look like? See, typically the question is really boiling down to this. Is faith simply agreeing with the facts of the gospel? So one crowd would say that's faith. If I say, do you believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God? And you go, yes, then you believe. And I say, okay, do you believe he's the only way for you to be saved? And you say, yes, well, then you believe. And I say, are you willing to say this prayer with me and ask him into your heart as the one who can forgive your sins? And you go, yeah, and you say the prayer with me, then that means you believe. Okay, that's one camp. If they said it, they believe it. If they believe it, it's because they said it, and it's fine. And that agreement with the facts of the gospel is faith. That person is saved, and nobody should ever debate that with them ever again except for the fact that we've all said things we don't mean. We have all prayed things we didn't even mean. We have all pretended to get along with other people. We have all said yes to things that later on we didn't want to do. We, have all, we all know the capacity of our hearts to be disingenuous and insincere. And the question becomes, is the faith the Bible's talking about simply the mental agreement with the facts? Or is the faith the Bible's talking about a holistic agreement with the facts that produces some action? Now, I will tell you that I believe that what the New Testament writers, when you take it in whole, Paul and James together— and the writing of, of the recorded of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels, and what we see even playing out in the book of Acts, 
The thing that I am left with is, and the thing that I'll leave you with today is, we really have to wonder about anybody who says they believe something and that is producing no action in their life that is in correspondence and in harmony with that belief that they claim. Because of the fact that in our lives, you and I, literally every single moment of every day, we are displaying for the world what we actually believe, not by what we say, but by what we do. And that truth needs to come home. Is salvation by faith alone? Absolutely. But is faith merely the parroting of words in a prayer? Absolutely not. Because everywhere you look in your life, you act on what you actually believe. You can tell me that you don't believe something all you want, and then if I watch your actions, I know. And you can tell me that you do believe something all that you want, and then by your actions... I will know what you actually believe. If you believe that if you stick a knife in a light socket, you will get electrocuted, the reason I know is because you end up acting in accordance with that belief and not putting the light, not not putting the knife rather, in the light socket. This isn't actually even complicated, right? A person that's afraid to climb a ladder, it's because they believe that they will probably fall off. And their fear of falling causes them to take action. I'm not climbing that ladder because I believe I will fall off. In every area of your life, you act on what you really believe. If you go to your doctor and he says, if you don't stop smoking and cut out your cholesterol, you'll have a heart attack and die. You can sit there and nod and say, yes, I believe you. But whether you really believe what he's saying is whether or not you leave and you stop smoking and you stop eating cheeseburgers. Every single one of us is displaying to the world what we actually believe by what we do. So what I'm saying to all of you wanting to fight about this is, do I believe that a life of holiness gets me saved? Absolutely not. But it reveals that I am. It reveals that when I say Jesus Christ is Lord, I actually believe that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He, Paul was not teaching a formula, say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you're in. He was saying when you can declare with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, when you can believe in your heart that he's Lord, well, if he's Lord, it means I'm not. It means I'm to follow him. It means I'm to start taking actions to obey him and to follow him. Am I going to be perfect? No. Am I going to fall down a thousand times? Absolutely. Am I going to need his mercy to be new every morning? Absolutely. Am I going to be trusting in me rather than in him? Absolutely not. It will all be by faith, but my genuine faith, if I legitimately believe Jesus is who he said he is, I will take some actions that bear that out. And I will be able to do what Paul said in Corinthians and examine myself and see that he is in me because he's changing me from the inside out. So so arguing, brothers, about the gospel, is there something in addition to faith? No, absolutely not. The question is, 
the genuineness of people's faith. In an age and in a culture where people are absolutely disingenuous almost every single time they open their mouth, we all have to ask a deeper question. You are saying that you believe, but do you really? And where the test of that comes from is what actions do they take in response to what they say they believe? Is a person saved by their works? Absolutely not. But their works will reveal whether genuine faith for salvation is existing in their heart and in their life. Now, these are age-old questions. They are not new. But I want to encourage you, search out the scriptures, and you find plenty of admonition for the Christian who claims faith in Christ to bear that out in the fruit of their life. And that the genuineness of that faith that unlocked salvation was the salvation by faith? Absolutely, but it is by genuine living faith, not by counterfeit, dead faith that is nothing more than words parroting a prayer to get out of an awkward situation and to feel better about the future. Now, there's more to it than that. I believe the Bible teaches that clearly. Um, So don't miss the point while you're trying to have your fight, my brothers. Is salvation by faith alone? Yes, but it's by genuine faith. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to let that go right there. I went a couple minutes over, but I hope that you gained something from it. I hope that you dig into it. And uh, if you want to hear more about the topic, you know, let me know. I'd be happy to keep unpacking it further. In the meantime, prove who you are by loving Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and doing everything you can to follow him each and every day. And we'll be back soon. Take care. Thanks again for stopping by. If you'd like any more info about us, feel free to swing by wellsprings.church. Have a blessed day.